White Sox, White Sox, go, 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 go. Call your sons, call your daughters. Holy cow. You can't put it on the board. Yes. Yes. It's a perfect game. Red Echo, Grand Slam. A White Sox winner and a world championship. Jimenez, he's your hero tonight. Thanks, Cubs. The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know. Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox Podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello, and welcome back to Locked On Sox. My name is Herb Lawrence, Ecknerwall23 on Twitter. Chris Tannehill at Chris Tannehill on Twitter. The show is at Locked On Sox, Twitter, Instagram, and on YouTube. We're coming to you live from Chris Tannehill's basement. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can see us. Hello, it's me, Tanny. Hi. This is a setup. It's great. So, you're already here. Subscribe. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the notifications bell. It's right over there. You might be able to get a prize pack. This mug behind me, Locked on Socks mug, a t-shirt. Not, which this, I, not this mug. Which I'm, which I'm not wearing. I'm actually wearing a Wave Sucks shirt from the 108. Oh, I love those. I get some of those stickers from those guys. Oh, they want you to order something from them. <laughs> they will, give you like yeah. 8 million of them. It's great. And a couple of cup holders. It's awesome. But with no further ado, it is Chris Tannehill. Hello, Chris. Hi, Herb. This episode of Locked on White Sox, episode 174, is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use our promo code Locked On, and you'll get 20% off of your next order. Well, let's just set the stage here for today's episode first. It's Mailbag Monday. But also, I want to you know let you guys hear some of the, the sights and sounds coming out of Glendale for White Sox spring training. It can be easy to miss these things over the weekend, so I'm going to bring back some of the best sound that I heard over the past couple days uh, from White Sox spring training. So maybe you guys feel like at least you're there. Um, we're going to open up the mailbag after that, but it's a busy week for us here. This is podcast number three that we're taping tonight, the mailbag. We just got done with our guys from the Sons of Hanarchy. We're going to air that episode a little bit later this week. We talked to George Offman, score legend. He's got his new podcast out called Tell Me a Story I Don't Know, and he, he's got Len Casper on there. He's going to have Steve Stone on there. So we talked to him about his career in broadcasting and covering the White Sox over the years. So stay tuned for that tomorrow. I believe that's going to come out. And also we're going to talk to the future Sox guys this week about their top 30 prospect list that uh, that will be out by Wednesday. So we'll sort of you know talk about some of the surprises on that prospect list and really get to the bottom of if the Sox are going to make any moves at the deadline, who's going to be leaving uh, the White Sox organization and why. So we'll talk to those guys, James Fox, and hopefully our guy Mike Rankin later on this week. Uh, but here we go. It's Mailbag Monday, but first let's get into some of this pr- spring training stuff here, shall we? So, uh, you know, I'm on some of these Zoom calls and I'm listening to what what's going on right now. Today, the the uh, position players report to Glendale, but for the past week or so, it's been the pitchers that have been doing their thing and. You know, it's kind of funny because I, you know, you you don't really know for sure because you're not there and you're not you try to talk to people, but the people that you would normally talk to aren't there either. So you're you're watching videos and listening to what people say, but just overall, we'll get to Tony Larusa a little bit more in, in a minute here. But they seem to be having fun, and it gets back to the whole thing. Now that the DUI stuff is, I don't want to say it's behind us because there's still other things that may be uncovered about that as far as who knew what and when they knew it. But the baseball stuff, as I said, and as I think as you said as well, 
I'm not worried about how Tony La Russa runs this baseball team. Mm-hmm. The, the guys seem to be enjoying his presence. He was talking about how they're doing PFP, pitchers fielding practice, and they were doing a thing where they split the team up into two squads, and the losing squad has to shag all the all the errant balls, 200-plus uh, <laughs> baseballs that the losing team would have to go fetch and bring in. So he's, he's instilling competition and camaraderie early on here before the position players even get there, and they seem to be having fun. I was watching a video of Lucas Giolito. I think he clinched the uh, the competition for his team today, and so he's already creating uh, you know a very communal atmosphere so that that's good so far a good start for the White Sox in Glendale under the uh, tutelage of Tony La Russa uh, but there are a lot of new faces that are there and you know seeing Lance Lynn coming over from the Rangers and the trade for Dane Dunning Lance Lynn's gonna be a big part of if the Sox are gonna have any success this year Lance Lynn's gonna have to be a huge part of that holding down the middle of that rotation and you know we haven't heard him speak much but we've seen him he's in the, the White Sox uniform Looking hashtag 108 thick, as I believe they were saying uh, on uh, on Twitter today. Um, but about that thickness, Dallas Keuchel spoke about Lance Lynn. He's, he's had a long history with him, and he's been around a long time. But here's Dallas Keuchel talking about Lance Lynn and the presence he brings to this White Sox team. He's a big dude. I call him Tonka Truck. I mean, he's he's... I mean, he's up there with Giolito. He's 6'5", 250. I mean, he's just a, a hoss. He's a, he's a horse, and he's done it for a while. And we go way back, and, and I'm glad uh, he's on our team now. And I think he's going to be a big boost for, for Giolito as well. Absolutely. So Lance Lynn, where do we set the bar here for Lance Lynn? And talk, you know, you heard everyone talk about World Series expectations. Let's see what uh, Lance Lynn had to say about that topic. And everyone's saying that uh, we're here to win a World Series, and that's what we're trying to do. Um, that's why you come to spring training every year. Sometimes you actually have a chance, sometimes you don't. Um, and this year, we really feel like we have a chance, so we got to do what we got to do to capitalize on that. Lance Lynn just strikes me as a guy, just a, a stoic type of leader. You know, doesn't say a lot, but seems to be loved by his teammates. You know, pretty pretty personable guy. We had him on uh, with Danny Parkins after he came over in the trade. You know, it's, you know, pretty a fun guy, but a guy who's about the business. And and he's won a World Series under Tony La Russa before, so he knows what it takes. And it's been a while for him, so he wants to get back there and do it again. But I'm just looking forward to watching Lance Lynn uh, pitch this year because what a physical specimen, Hoss Tonka truck. He's a big dude. I, As we talked about last year, we're like, oh, should the White Sox get a guy like Lance Lynn on their team because they got a year and a half of his services. He's pitching like one of the top two pitchers in the game right now. And we thought it was a, too high of a price to pay for Lance Lynn at the time. Now, what I'm expecting is him to continue that. It's a walk year. He needs to perform very well this year to in order to get his probably last decent-sized contract. So he'll be doing whatever he needs to do to make sure that he's successful and the White Sox are successful. And like we were talking with the Sons of Harnacky, he probably wants to sign an extension to some team, either the White Sox who have his rights right now or in the free agency market where he can get two, three years still left in his deal. So he'll do whatever he needs to do to make sure that he is at the top of his game. And I think that that being a big hoss is part of his game. Big, intimidating, thick, 108 thick dude. It just seems like he knows how to pitch nowadays. Like he got his toolage under the, the Cardinals, but never would you thought like, oh, Lance Lynn's pretty good. Like he's been down in exile in uh, he, in Texas. So you look at the numbers like, damn, that's Lance Lynn. Yeah, 
Guys, Lance Lynn is a top-of-the-rotation pitcher now, and we're lucky to have him on the White Sox. Absolutely. So another guy on the uh, on the opposite end of that spectrum in the starting rotation is Michael Kopech. And Michael Kopech finally spoke today, and you know, famously opting out in 2020. It was one of the biggest stories locally here in Chicago when Michael Kopech decided to opt out. You know, we just heard personal reasons, and we never heard much more about that. And obviously, his presence was missed with the White Sox, you know, exit in that uh, wild card series that could have used another arm. And, but Michael Kopech, it's, it's good to see him back in a uniform and just out there and just, you know, knowing the fact that he's going to be on this team, hopefully a part of a deep postseason run is, is going to be interesting. And uh, Tony La Russa talked about the first time he saw Kopech pitch was actually when Tony was with the Boston Red Sox. And this was the second to last start Kopech had before he had Tommy John. Here's what Tony remembers about seeing him that night. It really wasn't fun that day, but I was with the uh... – Red Sox, we, we were in Comiskey when he pitched against us, and I was upstairs, uh, and it was electric. Comiskey. Any, is he doing anything for you there, Herb? I still calling it Comiskey? No, I'm not that guy. <laughs> no? no? Okay. All right. I thought maybe I could win you over with, with, with Tony there. Uh, but yeah, I, that, Remember, I never went to Comiskey. <laughs> yeah. So. All right. Well, uh, uh, more about Tony here real quick before we get to Kopech. Um, he had both doses of his COVID vaccine, so here's Tony talking about it. Actually, I had, I had both uh, – both shots before camp started. It goes with being a senior citizen, so you got to take advantage. Both shots. That I don't think that's something. Can, is that something we can maybe use later on? I'm trying to think. No, I don't <laughs> yeah, think we can. That would just be that would just be classless. I, I think to use a, something like that. You know, a man talking about shots, like you know, that we would never do anything like that. That's just that's that's tasteless. A guy with a history of drinking. You talk about shots. Yeah, who who would do such a thing? Extra head shots. Oh, us, we would do that. Um, but Michael Kopech, you know, rave reviews from everyone, and, and he seems to be developing a bond with Tony La Russa. Uh, you know, a good guy to have a bond with is your manager, especially if you're a starting pitcher looking for meaningful innings and looking to, to stay in, deep in the ball game. So we never heard Michael Kopech in his own words about why he chose to opt out in 2020. And, and here's Michael Kopech talking about what went on through his mind when making that process, that thought process. Um, you know, there are multiple reasons, uh, COVID being one of the reasons with um, having some health issues in my family, um, but there were a lot of personal reasons as well. And, you know, I, I think that I've been pretty candid in the past about my mental health being important and uh, prioritizing that so I can be the best version of myself on the field. And um, that's a lot of what it came down to as well. The past year, I've really got an opportunity to kind of sit back and look at things from the outside. You know, I've been around a lot of people that care about my career, but also care about me as a person. So, you know, I, I've just spent a lot of time trying to better myself for my teammates when I got back and, you know, for my own life moving forward. So taking that time away from baseball, I think was, you know, it's kind of hard, but it, I think it was important for me. Um, but now I'm back and I'm ready to compete, like I said. So, yeah, so there you have it, Michael Kopech in his own words on, on why he decided to opt out last year. No surprises there. It's pretty much everything that we thought. But, you know, it does sound like that maybe he, uh, once again, was at a crossroads with his love of baseball, but now it seems like he's in a good spot as you can be, and and he's on board for 2021. So I'm I'm just glad he's in a in a good place mentally and physically. And it's very odd the way people are talking about Michael Kopech and what he's going to do for the White Sox this year. You had the report from I think Bob Nightingale or Jeff Passan saying that the White Sox plan with him is to. Have him be in the starting rotation at the beginning of the year. And then he's like, well, maybe not. 
and a lot of people are also just like, okay, maybe he is going to start on the team. Like Scott Merkin just posted his he what he thinks is going to be the opening day roster, and Michael Kopech is on there as a reliever. So I'm surprised that they're going to have a guy who hasn't pitched in two plus years, and all the stuff he's gone through in the last couple years go on the major league roster. But if they believe that Michael Kopech being on the team to start the year in April is the best thing for him and the team, I'm all for it because I can only go by what people like yourself have told me about what Michael Kopech looks like in person. And you heard a little bit from Tony LaRussa. Everybody who says they were at that game or the subsequent game at uh, guaranteed rate says it's electric. When he pitches, something happens to a crowd. They're, the anticipation is huge, and his pitches are filthy. So if he's ready to go mentally, physically, I'm all for him being in starting the year with the White Sox, and especially if it's a bullpen role. Man, just med- imagine that, just having all those bullets and say, hey, Michael, you're in here for 15 pitches. Do your thing, kid. Yeah, so let's get some more clarity out of this Kopech role and, and this White Sox bullpen and the fifth starter and what's going to happen with it. Uh, Michael Kopech was asked about what he's been told about his role in 2021. Here's what he said. Um, yeah, I don't know if I can speak to exactly what it's going to be right now. Oh, but damn it. He talks about the flexibility of maybe uh, being in a different role than I've kind of anticipated in the past. Um, so maybe not coming in and being part of the rotation right away, but uh, – Maybe as a reliever or something along those lines. Not really sure exactly what that entails yet. But um, you know, as far as what it means for me is, I'm gonna pitch the best that I can every time I take the mound. So nothing really changes in that regard. But just want to help the team win in some way. And if that's in the bullpen or if that's starting, I'm gonna do it either way. So there you have it. You know, and not not too specific. I don't think we're ever gonna find out until game one uh, of the regular season. But Kopech open to anything, you know, bullpen role, like you said. So it's, it's going to be interesting to watch all these young guys in that bullpen follow the lead of hopefully uh, top-tier, top-of-the-line starting pitching, and, and you can really come in and, and bring these arms in and just lay the hammer down on the, on the uh, opposition here. But, you know, real quick here, wrapping up about the bullpen. Garrett Crochet is a guy that we, we forget about, especially with Michael Kopech being in camp now. And, you know, you forget about Crochet and how nasty he was, especially the way his season ended in that wild card game. You know, we, we forget uh, that this guy is is a number one pick and he's, he's just as filthy as anyone out there. And it is possible, Herbie, that he could get even filthier this year. This is what Garrett Crochet talked about he's been working on in the, in the offseason. Yeah, so obviously I was kind of just throwing a lot of fastballs, and uh, I was doing that because that's my strength, but I was also doing that because I wasn't as comfortable throwing my slider for strikes. So that's kind of something I've been working a lot on. Um, Pre-draft, a big question was my changeup, so I've been putting a lot of work in on that, Um, and and I feel like I've seen a lot of progress on both sides. Can you imagine that? The overpowering 100-mile-an-hour fastball of Garrett Crochet. Like, you look at the – I think it was Pitching Ninja that had the video of the, of every pitch in, in 2020 over 100 miles an hour, and the first, like, you know, 15 or 20 of them were all Garrett Crochet. <laughs> but you picture him, you know, uh, bouncing that out with a, with a devastating changeup. Look out, American League, man. That's just it's exciting to picture. Yeah, I mean, he'll have an extended role because of the news that Jace Fry is going to be out in the, at least until May. So – Garrett Crochet will be depended on in that bullpen and 
maybe a Josh Hader, Andrew Miller type of role or whatever. He a starter. Or Josh opener. Hader without the racism. <laughs> With, uh, if he wants to have some racism, it's fine. Wow. It's, it's, all right. Whatever works, right? Hey, shit. <laughs> In this, in my life, he is only a pitcher. So, uh, do some racism on the side. Don't just let me know about it, Garrett. But I would say, like, yeah, adding a changeup to already filthy slider, already filthy fastball is unfair. I mean, he knows that the White Sox plans are for him to be a starter. So, developing a third pitch you can get over for strikes that you're going to get major league batters out with is a necessity as a starter. So. If he tinkers with it and he finds it's not what it's doing, it's not doing the, what it's supposed to be doing, he might have to throw that out. And uh, I know James McCann was good with when Lucas wasn't having a good pitch or with a, a specific pitch, like a curveball wasn't going. He's like, we'll throw, we'll throw 10 changeups in a row because you're giving that over and they can't fuck with it. So I would want him to not you know, press himself on making sure that changeup is good this year. His role is will be out of the bullpen for the most part. You can worry about you being a starter in 2022 and 2022. Right now, I want you to work on your strengths. Fastball, slider. You get them over for strikes, no one's going to hit you. If you get them over not for strikes, no one's going to hit you because they're going to be flailing at those pitches. So I'm expecting a huge year out of Garrett Crochet, and I'm very, very anxious to see how they're going to use him. The opener thing. Maybe a couple innings when he comes in for a bullpen start. Same thing with Michael Kopech. Yeah, so there you have it. You know, that, that's my spring training report for over, like basically summarizing the first weekend there as position players report today. You'll hear more of that sporadically peppered in throughout the podcast as, as there's more quotes available. And I know Tony Larusa already had some things to say about Tim Anderson today that were you know very high praise. So we'll we'll, we'll hear what some of the position players have to say. Uh, as they report to camp this week. So stay tuned right here at Locked On White Sox for all the uh, latest from spring training. But coming up after a quick timeout, Herbie, we're going to open up that bag. Stay with us right here on Locked On White Sox. This episode of Locked On White Sox is brought to you by our friends at betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Now, pro football may be over, but betonline.ag perfectly seems right into NBA, college hoops, and even the NHL, which are all in full swing right now. And don't forget, folks, MLB futures. Herb and I are going to talk about some of those futures bets that you can place at betonline.ag. You want to know what the White Sox odds are to win the division? What about the pennant? What about the World Series? You can go to betonline.ag now and check out those odds. We're going to bring you our futures show coming up before the end of spring training here. We're going to place our bets from betonline.ag live on the show. You can also bet on award shows, TV shows, and even reality TV at betonline.ag. Their odds are updated in real time and props on almost anything you can possibly imagine. We're going to try to recoup some of our losses from the big game a couple weekends ago. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and it's the best place to place your bets. And best of all, it's free to sign up. Just head to the website now on your mobile device or sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline your online sportsbook experts and don't forget our promo code so important you go to betonline.ag sign up for your free account enter our promo code locked on at betonline.ag your online sportsbook experts locked on white Sox is also brought to you by our friends at built bar built bar it's the best tasting protein bar ever and somehow 
built bars, even delicious er with their brand new flavors. Hey, they got flavors coming at you pretty much every week. You can get in on the ground floor of a new flavor at Built Bar. They sent me the coconut brownie crunch. Oh, that was good stuff right there, but it's only for a limited time. You got to head over to the website and see what they got cooking. They're always experimenting with new fun flavors. Some of the new ones that have stuck for them, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia. Let me tell you, folks, I ordered the cherry barcia in my 18 pack. I ordered six of the carrot cake with almonds. I ordered coconut, which is my favorite, and I ordered cherry barcia to check it out. Uh, the goods. I love the cherry barcia. Uh, as a matter of fact, I have it right here in front of me. I just had one before the show today, and the cherry barcia, some of its stats. Check this out. 130 calories with a whopping 17 grams of protein. Built Bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft. They're easy to chew. They're not grainy like some of these other protein bars are. You're not chewing on them for hours once they're in your mouth. And this Cherry Barcia, by the way, only 4 grams of sugar. I mentioned that I've sort of kicked my sugar habit by replacing my unhealthy snacks with Built Bars at the end of the day or at my 3 o'clock snack time. And it's really worked out well for me. Um, I'm feeling much better, sleeping better, no cravings for sweets in the middle of the night because one Built Bar after dinner before bed and I'm good through the night. So do what I did. That's right. I'm about to order another case of Built Bars here because when I run out, it's bad business around here in the Tannehill household, okay? Like, I, I start to look around and see what, what other snacks I can uh, I can get my hands on, but none of them are quite as good, and none of them will give you sustenance quite like Built Bar does because they're always packed with protein. So do what I did. Go to BuiltBar.com right now. Use our promo code LOCKDOWN, and that's going to get you 20% off of your next order. That's 20% off for your next order at BuiltBar.com. Built Bar, it's the best tasting protein bar ever, and I'm thinking about having another one right now. We're covering everything you need to know about the Southsiders, but what about the rest of sports? Now the Lockdown Podcast Network has you covered as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning. It's under 20 minutes. Subscribe today to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Herbie, you ready to open up that big? Let's do it. A lot of emails. We're going to try to get to some. There's another email. I love email. Oh, we love email too. Most of all, we love your emails. How can the good folks, the Lockdown White Sox listeners, get their emails read for the Mailbag Monday? Talk to us Tuesday, what up Wednesday, or Fun Friday? Send it to LockedOnSocks at gmail.com with your questions, comments, whatever they are. We'll read them all. Not all of them make our shows. LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. Well, uh, I'm reluctant to read the first one here uh, because we're wrong about something, uh, apparently. Uh, we've got a couple emails. Uh, Probably not. Uh, <laughs> well, I'll, I'll explain. I'll, I'll cover it. I'll make it sound uh, sound good. A um, couple people reached out about this particular uh, topic. Uh, this is from Barry, who says this. Uh, Dear sirs, I've been listening to your podcast a while now, and I really enjoy the content. However, I have to take exception to a couple things I've heard in the last two shows. First, I heard one of you mention that Jerry Reinsdorf lied. I'm not an apologist for him. As a matter of fact, I highly disagree with the tone of the Russa hiring and many other of his decisions, but to accuse him of lying because he went over Han's head is definitely wrong. Sure, Han was a sucker punched in a sense, but to accuse JR of lying is unfair. Uh, that's from Barry, aka Barry Reinstorf. <laughs> no. Uh, do, you th- do you think we're, uh, we're inaccurate in our assessment of, of Jerry lying? Maybe it wasn't a lie, but it wasn't even the, cu- the courtesy to lie to someone. It was just going straight over someone's head. 
No, it's not about him hiring Tony Larusa. It's about him not telling Rick or Kenny that he Tony Larusa has a DUI, a pending DUI. This has been established by the Bob Nightingale article and reiterated and rubber stamped by Rick Hahn how he answered those questions. So no one, if it knowing Rick and knowing Kenny, if there was an inaccuracy in that story, which there wouldn't be because it comes right from their source, either Jerry or Kenny, they would have gone, jumped all over it. They would have said, no, that's wrong. That's, that's absolutely erroneous. But lying is not just telling him something that is not true. Lying is by omission. If Jerry did not tell these guys the information that's very pertinent, that the manager, the Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame baseball person, has a DUI, and he didn't sell this to his general manager or his vice president of baseball operations, that's a lie. If you believe it or not, libel by omission is a lie. So, no, I appreciate it, Barry. Jerry Reinsdorf lied to his employee. This is not debated. If you think a lie by omission is not a lie, then I, I then we're lost right there. We're never going to get together. But lie by omission is a huge thing. Uh, next part of Barry's email, I could put a hand up uh, on this one. Um, next part is um, we misinterpreted when Han said about free agents. Uh, he was referring to non-roster invitee types when when I made mention. Uh, I think it was myself who said it. Where you know free agents felt like they were being blocked by players that were in current position roles with the white, with the White Sox and. Thus, it was not a, a enviable destination for free agents. And Rickon was talking about uh, non-roster invite types. Rickon said so as much in his press conference, but not necessarily premium free agents. But you know, I do think, and you are definitely right about that, Barry. But I do think there are positions that they could have, should have filled. I'm thinking DH mainly. You know, they probably had some some suitors. Like, I'm sure they were approached by by free agents like Kyle Schwarber, who kicked around town, you know, for, for you know, a month before he was, was signed to the Nationals. Like, you would think maybe that would be a guy that would profile well uh, on the south side and he wouldn't have to move. Like, I mean, I'm thinking there had to have been some interest there, right? Yeah. And also, Nelson Cruz, we know that there was a meeting there with, with Hector Gomez and, you know, it certainly led Hector to believe that maybe there was going to be a future with Nelson Cruz and the White Sox, you know, um, and you have to think that they told these free agents like, Hey, we've got Andrew Vaughn coming. So I don't know if it's going to be worth it for you to come here because we're definitely not trying to pay you for a full season's worth when we know we have our number one pick coming. I think that's a relatively fair assumption. It's assumption that I made and it may be incorrect, but that's what, that was my line of thinking when I, when I said uh, what I said about the, uh, but the free agents not wanting to come here. You're totally correct. We heard from James Fox a lot of times and he said, the White Sox are going to have Andrew Vaughn as the guy. Like, signing a guy for multiple years is dumb because they believe Andrew Vaughn's going to be the guy. And, yes, that would be blocking free agents from coming to the White Sox. This is their plan. So, yeah, hey, we would love to give you a one-year deal, but two years is still tough, and I think that's what Nelson Cruz signed, like a one and a possible and the White Sox like, no, we're only interested in one year because we know we got this guy who's going to be a champion hitter when we get him on our Major League squad. So I think, eh, Barry, 
questionable. I, and I see what you're saying, though, Barry. I appreciate the email as always. But, yeah, I, you certainly could see why you would think, uh, you know, why I was wrong on that one or why we were wrong about those things. But we, we see it a certain type of way. And I, I definitely see why you why you see it the way you see it, you know. But maybe we respectfully disagree here. But no. you are right when Rick Hunt said he was talking about non-roster invitee types. But we all know that there's – blockages here on the roster at least the way they see it so thank you for uh, checking in barry and thank you for supporting the show uh next one here on a lighter note comes from our guy mike victor hey guys the moncada video is so good love the old school video vibe and his swag is on point makes me think of my favorite music videos back in the mtv era two of my favorites from the 90s were today was a good day from ice cube and smells like team spirit from nirvana uh he says, yeah, the original choices. I get it. Uh, what are some of your favorite music videos? Can't wait for actual baseball talk soon. Her favorite music videos back in the day? Well, my favorite music BET, video. BET Uncut? Oh, <laughs> Anything on there? Awesome BET Uncut. <laughs> Late night, man. A young Herb used to have some great times with BET Uncut. Man, they used to show everything. Tip Drill was like, they'd show the video. It was just, wow. Clarence Carter, Clarence Carter. Ooh, oh, shit. shit. Clarence Carter. Um, but. The best video of all time by Michael Jackson. No, not that one. It's Smooth Criminal. That is the best video of all time. Check it out. Watch it again. Nine minutes of perfection. Especially look at it when they do the breakdown where there's no music playing, and then they restart, restart the video. Oh, just so good. I think it's at the 606 mark. Check it out. Smooth Criminal, Michael Jackson. I don't know if you guys heard it before. No, no, yeah, you're the really, artist too. I'm you're, digging into the crates there. Yeah, um, let me see. Do I have my Michael Jackson button on there? Um, I don't think so. I don't think I do. Unfortunately, isn't uh, that it? No, Juan Uribe. That's Juan Uribe. <laughs> they all look the same to you, don't they? <laughs> Racist herb. Um, yeah, I have to pump in uh, Farmio on Michael Jackson and post there. Um, but Sednik, Ramirez, and dying all night long, folks. We're going to have lead-ins to and from. The innings with uh, tribute to Mike, Michael Jackson at the service today at Staples Center in Los Angeles. The king of pop as a musician. I loved his work. The other things, not so much. Allegedly. But, yeah, I think my favorite music video of all time, like I'm like an underground hip-hop head, right? So, uh, you know, back when independent hip-hop artists, back when Raucous Records was a thing, uh, there was a group called Company Flow, which for you, uh, for you youngsters out there, for for you young music fans out there, uh, hit it, hit it, Stony. For you youngsters, um, Company Flow was LP, who now is a part of Run the Jewels with Killer Mike. It was his first group, and Big Just. They were Company Flow, and they had a video for a song called End to End Burners, right? Which was a big single at the time in the underground hip hop community. It's like I'm like '99, I think. Maybe ninety eight, maybe ninety seven. Anyway, they all, all the years get blurry here. But if you search the video for Company Flow end to end burners, it was just it was such a seminal moment because it was like these these guys are super underground, but they clearly put some money, or at least they they've got some good editing in their video here. And you could see this video on Rap City on occasion, but LP and Big Just they were posing as train workers in the New York City subway, and they had the famous graffiti artist Cause do the art for their video where the where the graffiti piece was like going through the tunnels of the New York subway because an end to end burner is a is a graffiti piece that's like you know stretches through the whole wall that's what that name is so the video had this 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 graffiti piece this mural going through the New York City tu uh, tunnel of the subway and i just thought that was badass it was one of my favorite videos ever but uh 
were you ever a, a, a box kid? You ever watched the, yeah, box? the box all the time for, for you youngsters out there? The box was a music video service that was on cable where you, 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 you put it on the cable channel of the box. I think it was in the seventies uh, on my local system up here in Rogers park when I was there where they just show you, they'd scroll through a list of videos and you would call the number of the video, you call the box hotline, and then you would punch in the, the video code of the video you wanted to see. We're really dating ourselves here. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was like basically, it was like going to YouTube now and you know playing whatever you want, but except everyone got to see your selection. And as they were rolling through these selections, you'd see the numbers punch up on the screen. Oh, someone's making a selection right now, like nine seven six. That's uh, you know TLC baby 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 mm-hmm. or some shit. You know, or, or probably waterfalls. I think was more. Uh, indicative of that era i don't remember but anyway so they'd have all types of genres on there and you'd call up and they would charge it to your phone bill i think it was 3.99 a selection maybe but we did it one time me and my buddy rob did it and there was a hip-hop artist uh is, is by the name of ec e Silla, right he's, he's from rogers park super underground hip-hop uh you know him from he's worked with with twista and you know legendary trackster those type of guys so he had his his video, so we called the box and we ordered up this video because we wanted to see it and we all we wanted to support because this guy he owned the this record store up here in Rogers Park called the Tip, which was uh, in business for a long time. Uh, but that's where you we go to buy all you know underground hip hop CDs and, and and wax and things like that. And EC in Rod, Rogers Park on the North Side, he was just the dude. He you know we had never seen anyone to put hip hop on the map for Rogers Park before, and he did his thing. So we'd call up and and we requested his video. Uh, on the box but yeah that was sometimes you just be you'd be watching it for hours waiting for a good video to come up like mm-hmm. i'm sitting there like 10 years old you know uh during summer you know <laughs> with no one and your parents weren't at home latchkey kid status mm-hmm. just watching the box all damn day and uh those those are the, the best times though you know what a different era like if you try to explain that to the kids now like oh yeah you had to you had to pick up the, the telephone not even mm-hmm. your cell phone you'd pick up your telephone your rotary phone mm-hmm. <laughs> Nine, three, two, and you know it was just a, it was just a great time to be alive, man. But it's really inefficient when you think about it. Yeah, I mean, we already referenced the Clarence Carter video, which was on the box all the time. Yeah, day, that man. was one you could only really see on the box because the name of the song was stroking and he cursed in it. You know what I mean? So it was yeah. kind of a big deal. Literally talking about masturbating, <laughs> and then that was always like number one. It yeah. was like you know trying to think of like you know. Uh, black hole sun in that era like oh that's one of the top ones and here's tlc and here's tupac you know like they've got you know big hit songs and people want to see their videos and all of a sudden you'd see clarence carter popped up there yeah. with stroking because of the content of the video but it was just symptomatic of the times man like yeah. it was beautiful it was it was the pure video democracy it was sort of like counter programming mtv when mm-hmm. i think about it. it was like mtv they selected their top 10 and you were going to watch that no matter what and sit through commercials but the box is like no you decide you dictate the programming so it was that video and then MC Breeds ain't no future in your front. Oh, yeah. Like, I saw that all the time. And every time I saw it, I was like, man, this song is just undefeated. Like, it was just so great. Like, every time I hear that beat, like, to start the start the song, I'm like, oh, so great. I don't know if I like it necessarily because of it reminds me of childhood because I still like stroking and the video, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, but... Like every time I hear that song, I'm like, man, just undefeated beat. Like, why was an MC Breed bigger? I know he is no no longer with us, but man, I love the Mr. Ah oh, shit, there we go. Herb. Just 
popping and locking here, aren't you? Just, man. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to play too much of that. Yeah. Catch a violation out here. I mean, he was a... Uh, if he became president, he would keep the... We would keep that and uh, change the White House black because there ain't no future in your front. Oh man, now you, nah, man, we're going way too long about this topic. But I remember the Ghetto Boys was big on the box, like, oh. like you know the the video for "Damn It Feels Good to Be a Gangster" was mm-hmm. on there. Oh, that was that that is prime the box real estate that era right there with the MC Breed. Oh, you're taking me back here. But thank you, Mike, for checking in as always. Uh, sorry, folks, for all you all you youngsters out there, probably like what the hell are these old old heads talking about here. But it was a time, man. Symptomatic of the time, it was it was beautiful, pure democracy in its purest form. Yeah, that stuff would never last right now, ever, ever, ever. Like, I gotta pay to for a video? Ugh, <laughs> no. How about I just go to YouTube and get it for free? Yeah. Next one coming in here from Tim. Tim says this, hey boys, last time I emailed you, got some great advice about not defecting to Cuba. Good job. <laughs> what you should have told me was, I could find myself in a Yoan Moncada music video had I just stayed in Miami. My Google search history at a time likely landed me on a few lists. But these days, it's full of Moncada floral romper uh, and Desastre Personal outfit. No luck yet. Maybe you can point me in the right direction. Anyway, I actually have a good question this time. Given the plan for Crochet and Kopech seems to be high leverage reliever, uh, top of the line to top of the line starter. Does Tony Larusa have any examples of bringing a guy along in that way during his inebriation? I mean, intoxicated. I mean, influential career. I know the pitching coach has much to do with the usage as the manager, but I'm just wondering if Larusa has ever managed a successful top of the line starter who started as a reliever. This is a long fucking email, but I hope it finds you well. I had to borrow Pedro Strope's cell phone to send it, and it took forever. Not sure what he's doing here in Havana, but I think I like the joke, and it plays anyway. That's from Tim. Uh, Pedro Strope uh, called Dan and Terry one time on the Boards and Bernstein show uh, in the uh, in the fall of uh, 2016, and they explained how he had a really bad cell service because he was using a cell service out of the Dominican called Orange. <laughs> And he never upgraded. It's coming over to the state. So that's that's a very inside joke right there. But I appreciate Tim for making it. Um, are there examples, Herbie? I think I found one off the top of my head. I am not smart enough to, to you know know this you know off the top of my head. Uh, but the first guy that came to mind was Adam Wainwright. Okay, I remember Adam Wainwright when he came up in 06 being a huge part of that World Series team for the Cardinals. And sure enough, Adam Wainwright went on to become a successful starter in the majors but in 06 Adam Wainwright was used as a bullpen guy okay um and in 2006 he pitched um 75 innings out of the bullpen a year before becoming a starter in 07 and used in a lot of high leverage situations and I could pull up the game log here but you can go see it for yourself on baseball reference but Adam Wainwright was mainly used as a high leverage five six seventh inning guy for Tony La Russa in 2006 and we know the career he went on to have after that um you know winning the Cy Young award back in 2009 uh multiple all-star the top two or three a couple times for all-star for Cy Young award winner so this is a guy that uh that's had a great career and I thought maybe the door was open for him to become a South Sider this year with Tony La Russa but I believe he's going back to St. Louis, but yeah, that was just uh, a name that just popped in my head, and sure enough, uh, I followed down that road, and that was a guy. I can't think of another one. Can you, Herb? I cannot, but Adam Wainwright, the, the name, bringing him up, uh, Brennan McCaffrey, our guy, a tear rolls down his cheek because that curveball he threw to his hero, Carlos Beltran, just froze him. 
to for the Mets to win the National League that game. Uh, it was great, great curve. The Andy Chavez game, who he just recreated oh. his catch in the snow the other day. But yeah, that's right. What I, a great catch! I, I, yeah, I don't know why I just didn't go with it. I was insecure. But yeah, Adam Wainwright was the closer uh, for that team that year, and they went on to win the World Series and went on to have a great career after that. So yeah, there is precedent for it. It's it's rare, but yeah, Wainwright is the guy. I can think of the opposite. Of course, his most famous uh, reliever is Eck, Dennis Eckersley, who was a starter for, I think, the Indians and maybe the, the, Cubs. the Cubs, yeah, and then converted to a reliever, one of the best relievers of all time. So that's the opposite. But I don't know specifically about Tony's career as far as uh, changing relievers into uh, top-of-the-line starters. I think in Lance Lynn's rookie year, it's kind of a, a small sample size, but that, that's the ironic. It's Lance Lynn. Uh, he was used as a reliever when he first came up, and obviously they win the World Series in 2011, and Tony La Russa retires after that, so he's not solely responsible for Lance Lynn's trajectory after that. But yeah, he he, he was in a, he started in a bullpen too. So it's you know he's seen and done a lot of things in baseball. Tony La Russa. So this is not going to be a new situation. And uh, rest assured, uh, you know it's come up here again with the White Sox. So we'll see how we, you know. I, I have no doubt that he's going to handle it, uh, you know, the right way. So he's going to lean on his pitching coach and Ethan Katz and lean on, on on how the pitchers are feeling on any given day and you know that's that's his strength is, is knowing uh, what a guy can give you on that particular night so I'm looking forward to seeing how these guys are used so uh, thank you uh, for the email Tim and uh, I'm glad you stayed here in the states uh, that was good advice sage advice by us is there any other kind of advice that that we give I, I think not uh, wrapping it up here on mailbag Monday. We've got Steve in Arlington Heights. Steve says this, hey guys, been loving your podcast and have been sucked into the minutia. P- props for spelling minutia and props to me for learning, uh, <laughs> for reading it properly. I've never seen it type. T-A, uh, yeah. That's um, what I would have said. It looks, looks like a, a middle linebacker out of Hawaii <laughs> when, when it's just spelled out in front of you. Or his girlfriend. Uh, yeah. <laughs> for the minutia of worrying about every Sox detail. Starting to vibe like mom worrying about sending off, sending the kid off to kindergarten when the kid has facial hair and rides a 24-speed bike. Since we like to indulge in dark worry fantasies about depth, um, what about the manager spot? Not a traditional position for such worries, I admit. But with a 76-year-old manager, where could this go wrong? Besides reading off the top 10 list of geriatric natural death causes uh, for males, we have multiple other categories. Let's see the ranking family feud style. Uh, show me another DUI. That's number one <laughs> on Steve's listing. Uh, number two is falling asleep in the dugout after a late arrival away game with weather delay. That's number two. Number three, snippy and sensitive comment to player or media about excessive celebration or not respecting the game. We'll circle back to that one. I think that one's a likely one. And number four, trying to fit in so hard he suffers serious fall injuries dancing to player music videos. So that's that's a sleeper pick right there. Uh, if any of the above happens, where do we turn for a backup manager of sufficient quality? Please talk me off the ledge on this one. P.S. Side bet on whether or not Rick Hahn will be able to excuse, ignore any of the above events should they occur while keeping a straight face. That's Steve in Marlington Heights. What do you think, Herb? Out of those four you know, relatively unlikely scenarios. There is one that I put in bold there as where I was reading it. Number three, a snippy and sensitive comment to player or media about excessive celebration or not respecting the game. Any, anything else other there as a possible worry and who would be the next man up as far as manager goes, if God forbid, if God forbid, if they need one. 
Number four, trying to fit in so hard he suffers fall injuries after dancing to a player music video. Obviously, I mean, obviously, you saw Coop last year getting down with like, Zach Collins. Like, you want to follow in those footsteps. You can't beat it, so why even try? Yeah, like we'd be dancing for dubs, or we'd just be by happenstance tuning into Yoan Mancata's oh, video. Oh, yeah. How can you not dance to that video? And, you know, a hip might be uh, pulled right there. So I pulled my groin watching that video. <laughs> uh, uh, so much there. So much there. I'm going to let that go. We already talked about stroking. But, that's what I be doing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, they already have a guy that's highly coveted. Super Joe McEwing still there. So Jerry Naren's there. Oh, yeah. Veteran manager there, Jerry Naren. I think, what, in the Brewers and the Texas Rangers he yeah. managed? Yeah, Miguel Cairo's there. He's managed in the lower levels. Yeah, they've, they've got a really good staff, actually. In terms of guys that have been there, done that, and a lot of guys, you know, they're a good mix. Like you talk about a, a mix of guys on the field, like young and old. They've got a good staff with veteran guys and younger guys. We didn't too. even talk about our guy, Frank Manichino, eh? Hey, how you doing? Why hey. you guys start talking about me, eh? Hey, he manages to skip to sleep again. I better take over here. Hey, Frank Manichino here. What, what's up? Hey, how you doing? What's up? Oh, <laughs> twins? Oh, come on. Yeah, forget about it, huh? Um, yeah, so, yeah, they got a lot of good options right there. Is Debo still there? He is. Debo's still there with his whistle. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what he does. I, I literally don't know what Debo does. Hey, you, blow your whistle. Like, 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 that's the, it. like literally the the least effective job of any coach is a first base coach. He does nothing. Yeah, so a lot of good candidates. He can- just sits there. Lot, yeah, a lot of good candidates, but I could see number three happening. Insensitive comments to player or media. Tony doesn't have a perfect relationship with the media. Like, no. I, like if you remember during the Mark McGuire scandal, like he was like you know publicly shaming um, a, a beat reporter. You can go check the history on that. So you know, but you know, is over his long career, not many blemishes there, but they are there as, as with anyone, I suppose. Like to be fair, like any manager's had his run-ins with media. So you know, but yeah, I think that's the most likely thing. But I don't think it's going to be a thing where he'll have to be suspended. But uh, I like where your head's at, Steve. Looking ahead, you know, playing playing uh, chess while we're playing checkers i appreciate you steve but uh that about does it for this episode of locked on white Sox. this very spirited mailbag monday i I enjoy it when herb comes by the spot here and we could do it in person it's much more lively and i certainly appreciate it but we got a big week coming up herb Uh, why don't you tell the good folks here about the plans we have for this week on locked on white Sox? well firstly we have an interview with george offman uh we were talking about his new podcast tell me a story i don't know is george offman's new podcast yeah so we had a conversation with him about that about White Sox that he's covered through his what 40 plus years of being a Chicago reporter here uh, all those good things so that will be coming out later in the week probably tomorrow, tomorrow. Yeah. and we just had a nice long conversation with the folks over there at Sons of Harnarchy Steve and Tommy hot take Tommy a guy who sends in emails here participates in mailbag Mondays talk to us Tuesdays they made me feel what old I hate those guys they made me feel old so young they're like hey we're about the same age it's like I'm a thousand they're like I was 10 during the uh, 2005 World Series like golly Jesus I was already out of school I was 26 by then um and then um let's see we're gonna well, talk to the future Sox guys yeah probably on Wednesday that's James Fox and our guy Mike Rankin who works at the score yeah. with yeah. Mike Rankin keeps ducking us, so we'll see if we can get him on the show. But they have their top 30 list of Sox prospects, and we're going to talk to them about those guys on that list. And I heard there's beef between future Sox because one of them has pretended to be the lead on one player, and the other one's like, no, 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 that was me. 
So I'm gonna give you a little nugget right there. Ooh. I will give you. So one of them is you know out front and says, "Hey, that's my guy." They're all but, they all spank it over. Ma- I, they're all spank it over magical. But when I talk to the other guy, the other guy was like, "No, no, no, that was my thing," and he's run with it. <laughs> all right. So yeah, uh, it's gonna be a good talk with those guys. See if we can expose that beef and break up future socks, as well as bring you all the latest from spring training. And as pitchers and pitchers report, or pitchers have been there as position players report today. So we'll bring you the best sound throughout the course of the week. So here we go, man. We're ramping up. I think we're probably gonna go back to four episodes a week in a in a, in a week or so, and once March starts, so. Here we go, man. We're, it never stops here on Lockdown of White Sox, and it's a fun week, no doubt about it. But that's all I got today, Irby. Yeah, it's going to be our first full season together. That little season we had in 2020 was awesome, and yep. the great team is even better. We're expecting more of the same, but 162 games. You can't get rid of us. Thank you for listening, by the way. We are continue to be one of the most popular baseball uh, podcast in the Locked On Network. So it's because of people like yourself who are listening to things like this that make us very popular with those people, and then they give us more money. No, they don't. Absolutely. So that's all I got. I appreciate you guys, man. I echo those sentiments completely. So thanks for rocking with us, as always. And shoot your emails to us, LockedOnSocks at gmail.com, if you want to get down with the mailbag. And at any point, we may slide in a question at any point during the week if things come up. I know we had way too many to get through this week. So we just, yeah, we just sprayed all fields with these, though. But that's And thank it. you for that. Uh, as many as we get, you guys send us, we'll all read them. Like I say to all the time, you, we read them all. But none of them all make them. Tanny has to go through them and suss through the good ones and see if we can get some new participants in there. And we have uh, this week. So thank you. Keep on doing that. LockedOnSocks at gmail.com if you want to send a email to us here at LockedOnSocks. So that is Chris Tannehill. We're broadcasting live from his basement right now. It's a beautiful basement with a lot of White Sox paraphernalia. A Chicago flag over there. He knows that he's from here. And a nice, <laughs> a nice NBA jam over that's, there. That's that's my daughter's Zoom background for school. Like so, you need to, like we needed something a little safe. I didn't think the uh, Patrice O'Neill poster was was good <laughs> for my daughter's Zoom background. And the bobbleheads are a little too like. Is your dad a joke? Like what's going on with your dad with those bobbleheads? So we need something a little like you know. If if you have a house on the northwest side of Chicago and you don't have a Chicago flag in your basement, I don't know what to do for you. Like they, you're you may not even own that house. It may be null and void the bank can take it back from you they own it anyway so it doesn't matter but yeah that's it let's get out of here such a beautiful place here so that's chris tanhill at chris tanhill i'm herb lawrence ecknerwall wall 23 the show's at locked on socks and go to youtube right now and subscribe to our page locked on socks and hit the notifications bell we might be sending you out a prize pack which consists of a mug maybe a t-shirt just go there and enjoy the content that is there so, for Chris Tannehill, my name is Herb Lawrence. Thank you for joining us on this Mailbag Monday edition of Locked On White Sox.